I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Elise. And this is... Cracking One Open. With Mike. And Elise. What? <laughs> you don't say. You don't say. Don't you know. Sorry, I didn't mean to alienate our Minnesotan listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome back. And this week, we are featuring Brooklyn Brewery's Rosé DeVille. Ooh. <laughs> So according to Brooklyn's website, Rosé de Ville, I'm going to, I'm just going to keep saying it like that. I hope that's okay. Uh, if you said it any other way, I would make you stop the podcast, <laughs> edit that out and re-say it the correct way. All right. So, so it harnesses perky raspberries and a tart edge to create a sour ale worth celebrating. Hold on. Can you say perky raspberries again? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's a quote. <laughs> it's a interesting phrase, but we're working on it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Revel in the playful balance of sweet fruit and clean acidity, the bright, bubbly finish, and the brilliant pink hue. But be careful. Like all the best parties, Rosé de Ville will be gone before you know it. So, I like that description. It's a, It implies that it's a seasonal beer, and, which is um, it's available between January and March, and it implies how good it is. It's just, it's just good marketing. Mm-hmm. So we were actually able to confirm with Brooklyn, Brooklyn Brewery that Rosé DeVille, uh, which is technically a raspberry sour and it comes in at 5.8% ABV, has an aroma dominated by notes of fresh raspberry, tart green apple and berry candy. The puckering lactic gives way to a juicy and malty sweetness. And that sounds just delightful. Uh, so full disclosure, this is a new beer for both of us. We haven't tried it yet because we've been saving it up special for the recording. So uh, let's do this. But I would also say Brooklyn did get back to us when we asked them if they had any information about the beer and they did. So yes, shout that's out to awesome. Brooklyn Brewery. Thanks for uh, helping us out. Yeah. All right. Let's crack it. Unfortunately, you can't buy our love, Brooklyn. <laughs> Your beer better be good. It better be freaking great. But I mean, cash money, you could buy our love. <laughs> Anyone can buy my love. Cracking it. Nice. So Brooklyn also confirmed that Rosé de Ville was brewed with red raspberry puree and Simcoe hops. And Simcoe hops are some of the most popular hops among both craft and home brewers right now. Simcoe is known for its diversity and complexity, accompanied by a smooth bitterness due to a high alpha acid content and very low cohumulane content. Cohumulane! <laughs> which is a hop oil found in the, the uh, lupulin gland formed in the final stages of hop cone maturation. It's actually a relatively new hop. It was created in 2000 by Charles E. Zimmerman. And it's often associated with IPAs, double IPAs, India Black Ale, and India Red Ale. So it sounds like an interesting choice to use as the primary hop in a sour ale. It's also usually used in conjunction with Cascade, Centennial, Chinook, and Citra hops, which is definitely true. They they all seem to be listed together when I see them on cans. Mm -hmm. um, however, mm -hmm. it Seems like the general consensus among brewers, I thought this was interesting, is that there's really no good substitution for Simcoe hops. Like nothing comes close enough. Um, if, you know, you're, you're making your brew that calls for Simcoe, but you forgot to order it, you're kind of out of luck. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know how many other hops are super unique like that. So I thought that was a cool little tidbit. Um, so the following information is 
unconfirmed with Brooklyn Brewery, but I did pull it from a reputable beer website whose other information tracks with the info that Brooklyn gave us. Okay. Uh, So it's likely that Rosé DeVille was malted with their uh, house ale yeast and house lactobacillus culture in the mix. And this culture is the microbe responsible for creating the lactic acid that makes it a sour beer. The so that's the that would be the yeast that a lot of from what I've read that a lot of brewers are kind of like you got to keep that separate you don't want to keep yeah. that because that's gotta the one that gets keep everywhere. it separated yes mm, um. mm, 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 mm. <laughs> and finally some suggested food pairings include roast duck creamy pasta dishes fresh fruit dark chocolate and goat milk brie what is it with people and Yum. chocolate with their raspberries I don't know um I love chocolate well I. I like chocolate. You like chocolate. Don't call yourself yeah. a chocolate I'm lover. I'm not a huge chocolate lover. You don't but, deserve that title. You know, I like chocolate. I love raspberries. <laughs> chocolate and raspberry. Eh. I could do without the combo. Yeah. There are some fruits that I like with chocolate. Chocolate and orange isn't bad. Ew, that's the worst. That's all right. Chocolate I think cho- and chocolate and strawberry. Good. Chocolate and strawberry is, is, is very good. Chocolate and raspberry, there's just something about it. I think it reminds me of some kind of medicine I had when I was a kid. Yeah, that's fair. Well, I think raspberry in general has that tendency to lean medicinal if you're not careful about it. I suppose so. Well, I think we'll see soon. Yeah. So uh, shall we? We shall. Hold on. The aroma. Mm. So much raspberry. So much raspberry. I I also, I kind of want to pour this into a glass because I feel like we're not getting the true, Look the of true it. aroma like coming out of the, the neck of the bottle. You're absolutely right. and by the magic of editing we are back and uh i think i was right about pouring these into glasses you really get a lot more raspberry opening up i feel like yours looks more red than mine yeah ha <laughs> ha be jealous <laughs> oh my god the same beer <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you really can smell that raspberry and berry candy that they're, that they're talking about. Ooh, that's nice and sour. That's pretty like. sour. I want to see. I just want to make sure. <laughs> oh, no, I just think because your glass might be a little thicker than mine. And from farther away, it just kind of condensed the, the color, the red color. Yeah, maybe. Give yeah, me the same beer. Okay. <laughs> I just make sure. I was like, it's bottled at the same time. It confirmed. can't be a different color. <laughs> really, it's like this nice opaque, like you can tell that there's real raspberry oh, flavor yeah. in there. It's like this coppery pink berry. I would say the smell of the raspberry is stronger in this than the taste of the raspberry. That's fair. It's not, not, in, it's a, definitely, in, a, not in a bad way. No, it just doesn't taste like I'm drinking raspberry juice, which right. is good. It definitely doesn't. It doesn't hide the beer, the flavor of the beer for you. Yeah. I still get that, like the yeast and the maltiness of it. Oh, yeah. But I like that tang, that tart. Oh, yeah. It's got that nice, nice raspberry berry. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's good. I feel like that's a lot of sours, though, is they use a lot of sours kind of use berry to emphasize, really emphasize and hammer home mm-hmm. that sourness. Yeah. Or they'll use citrus to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. The only one that I know that really didn't was my boy Geyser Goes, <laughs> which uh, I shout out to a previous episode. Yeah. Uh, episode four or five, I that's think. That's right. Callbacks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where we talk about the Geyser Goza beer from Two Roads, which mm-hmm. is a sour that, that, does, used, that doesn't you, have a particular fruit flavoring. Right. But, but that does use the sea salt to kind of give you that pucker. Yes. Enhance that pucker flavor too. Mm-hmm. I'd almost wonder if there's just Icelandic like a legit, sea salt. <laughs> mm, I'd almost wonder if there is a sour that just kind of is like 
hey, it's beer and sour, but we don't use a citrus fruit or salt. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to call it gimmick because I love sours yeah. and gozas that use fruits and salt and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I would wonder if there's like a pure sour out there. What, what makes you think that the having salt in it makes it unpure? Something where I just want to try <laughs> a beer where it's just that yeast. Oh, OK. You know what I mean? OK. To like how much of my sourness is coming from that yeast and how mm-hmm. much is coming from the fruits citrus. or the salts or the citruses yeah. that they use to enhance the the sour and the, the kind of pucker the puckerness mm-hmm. of the of the beer which i mean i love again don't get me wrong i'd just be interested to try just like that beer with the yeast yeah that's fair we could do some research yeah that'd be <laughs> interesting but this beer is really good yeah again brooklyn always mm-hmm. <laughs> never met a brooklyn beer i didn't like i just had their chocolate stout the for, other day. for dessert the other day for yeah. dessert the other day yeah <laughs> another shout out to our holiday episode yep this is extremely this is very drinkable very and i find the sourness you get that instant pucker cut from the berry mm-hmm. But the sour doesn't linger, which is something that with me, I get heartburn quite often. Yes. <laughs> yes, uh, you do. Which is kind of a double-edged sword because everything I love gives me heartburn because yep. I love sour beers and I love hot stuff super and spice spicy and... foods. Like the spicier, the better. Mm-hmm. So I love all the things that kill me, basically. basically. But this doesn't really give me that kind of heartburn, fe- instant feel that a lot of the other mm-hmm. sour beers do where it's like, oh. And you're going to need to take my antacid before I can <laughs> yeah. continue. And I know that sounds like the oldest guy, old guy thing, but I promise nope. you I'm not actually old. It's just like a better burn. <laughs> but this is actually, this is refreshing. And, and you don't get like that instant, like, ooh, fruit and sour. Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Most of this point, it's not a, like a summery or springtime beer. Um, I don't know. Does it have to do with when raspberries are in season? Maybe. Maybe. That's the other thing, yeah. When when you gave me that look, I was like, "Wait, a raspberry is really a summer?" Yeah, fruit? I don't I don't think of them as a summer fruit, but I mean, I know they're available year round, but maybe maybe early in the year is like their peak. You do get that maltiness you were talking about. Mm-hmm. If you let it just the flavors let the flavors wash over your mouth. Basically, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's really good. An excellent beer from Brooklyn. So Brooklyn's bottles are consistent. Yes. To say the least. <laughs> so, well, actually, the chocolate stout is a little different. Yeah. But, all right. So, this has got the Brooklyn branded logo on it, which basically is the very spectacularly drawn B <laughs> that forms the top um, label and then the main label on the body of the, the bottle. And it says Brooklyn brand, um, the Rose de Ville, or I'm sorry, Rose de there Ville. There we go. Is uh, within the Brooklyn branded circle. It says Raspberry Sour Ale up top. The logo actually is pretty much like a like a slightly faded red color, kind of like a raspberry. You actually notice if when you really look at the label, which I just noticed, is the image that makes up that color is just a really zoomed in on raspberry. Yep. Um, which is kind of cool. And then on the top, uh, the top, what would you call that? Like ribbon around the neck. Yeah, the, uh, sure. The white cursive Brooklyn B is just sitting. I kind of the logo is on a photo of a raspberry that's just kind of like chilling there on the bottle. <laughs> I like it. I like the way they incorporated the fruit onto the label. Other than that, the bottle doesn't have any kind of real writings or anything on it. It doesn't really tell you much other than it's 12 fluid ounces. Just kind of the general, the nitty gritty. It is a Brewers Association Independent Craft Certified. Ooh, I don't know what that means. I've seen that logo on a bunch of stuff. It just means it's an independent craft brewer. Oh, okay. It probably differentiates the, I would imagine, and I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> it probably separates the breweries like... Uh, Goose Island or Elysium, the ones mm-hmm. that have been bought out by yeah. larger ones and pretend to be craft. 
by big beer. Yeah. <laughs> but beer, big beer owns them. This kind of shows that, Hey, no, we're still the our original little thing, yeah. little thing that we started out as. Yeah. Well, not little, but yeah. The, our own independent, you know, <laughs> we're not like a corporation kind of a thing. Yeah. Which is cool. Would you like to do your pop culture review or should I start or? I think ladies first All right, because right. I, I'm a gentleman. Pinkies out. <laughs> mm. All right. So this week I watched uh, the pilot for Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, which is streaming on Hulu, uh, originally on NBC. It stars Jane Levy from Suburgatory and Castle Rock and apparently one episode of the Twin Peaks revival. But honestly, I don't remember. I don't recall seeing her. She was one of the girls in another booth and they were in the club. Another guy was in a booth with a girl and you thought that the guy was probably going to be a serial killer who was going to kill someone. Jane Levy kind of turns around, starts talking to the guy and they start flirting with each other kind of in the booth at the end of one of the episodes. It's like a five minute scene that had nothing to do with the rest of the series. And why do I remember this? Because, because I it bothered weird you. Weird things. You really do. You have an stuff. insane memory. Uh, but you also forgot the most important thing Jane Levy was in. What? She was in Evil Dead. She was basically Ash's character in Evil Dead, the remake. Are you? I didn't see that on her IMDb. Trust me. She's in it. You can always cut the section out if I'm wrong, but you won't be cutting the section out because I'm right. Oh, she's looking it up, ladies and gentlemen. She doesn't believe me. She could easily just cut the section I, out, but no, now she's got to look it up. And now she's keeping this. Listen, she's I keeping did, this talk. <laughs> I did my research. Uh, fuck. <sighs> <laughs> it also stars Lauren Graham from Gilmore Girls, uh, Skylar Aston from Pitch Perfect, Alex Newell from Glee, Peter Gallagher, and Mary Steenbergen. So the cast is fantastic. So we got a good start there. Quick overview of the premise. We've got Zoe, who's a talented coder at a tech firm, and she just happens to be up for a promotion uh, to engineering manager if she can prove her leadership skills to her boss, played by Lauren Graham. Uh, Zoe goes for an MRI to get checked out because she's afraid that she might be developing the same symptoms as her father, who has a degenerative neurological disorder that basically leaves him like unresponsive and seemingly like unaware of his surroundings. Uh, but in the middle of her MRI, there's an earthquake and she kind of gets jostled around and there's all this electricity flying. And all of a sudden she starts hearing people's innermost thoughts in the form of song. It's like that Scrubs episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, and of course, some of them are accompanied by a dance routine. So it, at first she's obviously pretty freaked out, but realizes after it happens a few times that it might not be such a terrible power to have. She's able to connect with a coworker she has a crush on who seems really depressed, but then she also accidentally finds out someone else who has a crush on her that she maybe didn't expect. I mean, predictable, but still cute. And there's one more musical number that really hit me in the feels, but um, I'm not going to get too spoilery. So the, the day it premiered, I remember seeing Jane Levy on the Today Show uh, in the morning and she said something to the effect of, you know, the, the pilot is hopefully going to make you laugh and cry. And that kind of stuck with me. Like, why do you want me to cry during the pilot? You really think like that's ambitious to establish characters well enough to make me feel for them that deeply within the first 45 minutes of meeting them. But uh, yeah. I cried like le legit needed tissues to, <laughs> to my boy, my tears cry. But yeah, I don't, I don't want to give too much away, but definitely kudos to the writers for proving me wrong. Online reviews of it seem to range from lukewarm to really good. No one really had anything bad to say. It was more of, okay, 
the pilot was good. Now show me what you really got. So it, I mean, admittedly, the episode did start out a little shaky for me. Like I said, there were some kind of cliche things, but it definitely finished strong. So I will absolutely be checking out the next ones. Um, This is a show I would absolutely recommend, especially if you like musicals. So this premiered on NBC on January 7th. Pilot is streaming on Hulu and it's coming back in mid-February. So you still have plenty of time to catch up before you may fall behind. Nice. Those are my thoughts. What do you got for us? <laughs> make it so. <laughs> that was like, do you want me to dub in some audio there? So. No. Yes. Maybe. Oh. No. <laughs> I am doing <gasps> shocker. Star Trek Picard, because of course I will. Have you heard all my Star Trek references on every podcast I'm ever on? Of Deal course I'm going to fucking review Picard, you stupid motherfuckers. <laughs> That's right. Bleeps. Bleeps are back, because I thought they were funny last episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's more work for me, so fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> That's, a th- That's now a third bleep, and you put that one in. <laughs> So Star Trek Picard obviously has come to CBS all access streaming. And mm-hmm. if you have, unless you have been living under a rock, and even if you have been living under a rock, I'm sure someone has at some point said to you, lifted up that rock <laughs> lift and lifted his head. Hey, Star did you know Trek Star Trek Picard starts soon? <laughs> and then close the rock again. Yep. And then hopefully have given you their CBS all access streaming password and username so you can watch the show. Yeah, mooch. Buy your own subscription. I do. Star Trek Picard obviously stars Patrick Stewart as... Jean-Luc Picard, the captain of the USS Enterprise from the 1987 series Star Trek The Next Generation, one of the most beloved television series of, uh, I think, all time. Mm-hmm. Definitely, probably the most beloved of the Star Trek spinoffs. Oh, yeah, easily. Um, and I think quite a few people would prefer it over the original series as well. I will say this. Captain Kirk is my favorite hero, like mm-hmm. one of my favorite heroes of all time, one of my favorite characters. But I think if I was serving him on a starship... I would want to serve under Captain Picard. Yeah. I'm going to because die on Captain Kirk's ship. Exactly. No no two ways about it. He is far too chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, in terms of being a good person and just like Patrick Stewart's Captain Picard is like represents absolutely wholly represents the hope that Star Trek is. Yeah. The hope for the future, the hope of what we can be the best being the best person that anyone can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Patrick Stewart is a big part of that. And it's great that he's come back as an older Captain Picard. Or Admiral Picard, now retired. Ooh. So our show starts, takes place 20 years after Star Trek Nemesis and right out, not like 10 years after the 2009 reboot of Star Trek. Okay. Because yep. when, spoiler alert for a 11 year old movie, when <laughs> the beginning of Star Trek 2009, Romulus explodes mm-hmm. and the main bad guy goes back in time to try to take revenge on Starfleet for failing to save the Romulans, even though they didn't cause the destruction of their planet. Picard has since retired because apparently while creating a ton of ships to save the 900 million lives that were stranded after the destruction of Romulus Mm -hmm. since, or what they're calling data's people now, androids took over a ton of ships and destroyed Mars, which is where they all Starfleet has classically built all their ships for the Federation. Starfleet then banned all synthetic life forms, which Mm -hmm. we learn include B4, who was data's kind of predecessor who data put his memories into at the end of Star Trek nemesis. So B4 is gone. All androids are gone. Picard is left without one of his best friends and closest compatriots Mm. and basically is ashamed of Starfleet for leaving 900 million lives. 
be it Romulans were kind of their enemies, but yeah, 900 but, million people are now left stranded after their home world gets destroyed. Mm-hmm. And Starfleet has become more insular, more isolationist, which obviously rings a bell for present day, which Star Trek has yeah. always kind of tried to bring modern lessons to the forefront. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I'm guessing immigration, our own country's kind of more inward nature lately, Yep. which in terms of the, for my review on the pilot, I'm not a huge fan of anytime Starfleet goes bad or, or is, is not the shining yeah. beacon of hope. Star Trek is about wanting the future to be great. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's like Starfleet eh, eh, was so, was so crappy. Captain Picard decided to leave it behind. I get all mad. And retire back to his vineyard where he even makes the quote, I haven't been living. I've been waiting to die. Yeah. Like, so Starfleet's that bad now? I, <laughs> I don't like when Starfleet is the bad guy. But granted, it's only the pilot. So maybe the idea is that now it's time to turn things around and get back to where they should be. Oh, absolutely. But uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Um, and it could just be a lot of that's in Picard's own head. And, you know, there are reasons why Starfleet had to do this or that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, everyone has reasons for everything they do, be it, you know, whether you agree with it or not. But the crux of the show is Captain Picard is visited by Daj, played by Isa Briones, who has never been on the show before. Um, she plays someone who Picard learns is Data's daughter, essentially. <gasps> She's a android with actual human DNA. She's got skin, all that. She's a truth synthetic human. She's got crazy strength and reflexes. Yeah, a little, knowledge. maybe a little too much. <laughs> Well, you're a completely unlocked human. Some of the effects were cheesy. Yeah. She almost flies in one scene. Yeah. It's it's a little too too much. much. But, you know, the action scenes were really cool. She's really tough. That's true. Don't get into any spoilers, but Captain Picard from this gets on a mission of, okay, this is my connection to Data. Mm -hmm. I need to do everything I can to protect Dodge. Apparently she has a twin out there. Mm -hmm. I need to find this twin and has this new mission in life to kind of restore Data's legacy in these two people whether data created them or not he's still part of their lives Mm -hmm. and they are still created from data so we don't get too much of the rest of the cast who we see in all the trailers or his ship that he's going to be on yet it's just picard kind of getting out of retirement and learning i have to do something this is my mission now to protect the legacy of data and we learn that the romulans have also decided that they are kind of, I guess, maybe shacking up with the Borg or using old Borg technology, <laughs> but that the Romulans might f- cause a threat for Picard as well. The show was, was pretty good. Patrick Stewart is great as Jean-Luc Picard again. Yes. Although, be it as an older, wiser, maybe sadder Picard. I was going to say he was he's pretty very sad. melancholy. Yeah. yeah. But still great. You see that he's got that Romulan people That interview was hard to it. watch. I mean, I already have a thing against that actress because of her character Francie on Alias being such a bitch. So, like, having that extra, like, You're talking about Marin Dungey, apparently her name is. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's a great actress, obviously, because her performance stuck with me to the point where I dislike her. <laughs> but, yeah, while watching Picard squirm under her interview questions was, like, physically uncomfortable. I yeah. just wanted to give him a hug. He specifically asked not to deal with why he left Starfleet. Yeah. And uh, that's all she, w- she talks just about. Threw in the it out the window. She just goes for it. Yep. And it's just it's just such an attack on one of the greatest examples of Starfleet yeah, and greatest totally hero Starfleet attack. has ever had. And it's just super unfair just to gain a one up kind of thing in yeah. journalism. Just like, hey, I got the first interview. I'm going to I'm going to be edgy. Yeah. But to be fair, that really does shake Picard up. And mm-hmm. what I also like is I like the nightmares Picard has. The yes. data, the dreams he has of data. Yeah. Wearing the old different uniforms, being on the next. I, I love mean, that this, the show starts in 10 forward. Yeah. The when they're playing 
poker in the beginning and he he says i know your tell and data's all confused that was adorable yeah <laughs> now i do not know which strategy to employ yeah <laughs> But I thought that that was great. Obviously, he's got a dog named number one, which is cool. Yeah. I wonder if that's actually one of the pit bulls that, that he, he fosters. Yeah, it probably was. It was probably one of his stipulations because mm. he is also an executive producer on the show. Overall, the episode was interesting and had a lot of callbacks. Mm-hmm. It was a little slow. But you can bit, tell that the show is going to take off when yeah. you see the trailers and yeah. stuff. So it's going to get exciting. I just don't like that Starfleet is the enemy. And I thought maybe doing this as a two part premiere would have helped better. I know that That's it's fair. not a lot of episodes, but doing one part. OK, here's your Picard setup. It's second part. Here's the actual show because mm-hmm. we haven't met his crew yet. We've met one um, other person who's going to be a main character. Allison Pill plays Dr. Agnes Girardi, who is a, an Android expert. Mm hmm. Um, from the Daystrom Institute, which is a big institute in Star Trek lore, which is cool. And they they named Dr. Maddox, who was obviously in the Measure of the Man episode. Mm-hmm. That we just watched, ironically. Yep. I just played for Elise because she'd never seen it before mm-hmm. or most of the next generation. Yeah. We're so, making our way through it. But there are so many other characters that are in most of the series that we have not met yet. So I'm very excited to see where that goes. And, you know, see more like the Romulan Borg thing. Mm-hmm. See what the actual conspiracy is. Do they get, will get, they ever get data back or is he just lost forever? What's, mm-hmm. his, so it's, it's really interesting to see what, what the show can be. Cause it really can be everything, anything. Yeah. I'm very intrigued by what their season two might be already after just watching this pilot, <laughs> because the story just seems like it's going to be solved by the end of the season. Yeah. Like I, I can't see them dragging this out to. No, not this not this particular yeah. So maybe this issue finding Data's daughter and figuring it all out, why maybe why androids destroyed Mars. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was really interesting the way they destroyed Mars was they blew up a bunch of thermonuclear reactors or whatever. And basically Mars is still on fire. No one can go to Mars. So they really blow up one of our planets, yeah. our main planets in the show. Uh which is a little interesting, but also a little sad because they never really show Mars in Star Trek. So oh, really? We've never actually really got to spend any time at the uh, Utopia Planet, Planitia mm-hmm. Plateau or anything like that, wherever they build the, sh- the, the starships. We've only been up in space above it. We've oh. never really been down below too often. And it's, it's like, well, not anytime well, soon. There goes that. <laughs> but yeah, it's a very interesting show. It's very good. It's very well acted. It's very well shot. It's very cinematic. Yes. And uh, if the show just gets a little bit more exciting, I'm, I'm down. Yeah. And obviously more cameos. <laughs> I miss the old crew. So that's on CBS All Access every Thursday, I think. I believe so. And I believe it is an eight episode first season. Okay. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. They can definitely wrap up that within this season. I think so. Yeah. Open up a new issue for next season. And I know next season, Patrick Stewart has invited Whoopi Goldberg to uh, come back as Guinan, which is great. Yeah. So I'm very excited for what Picard can be. Me too. And the fact that we just have Captain Picard back. Very nice. That's all I got. I was trying to think of like a saying Picard has for like ending things. Yeah, I, me too. I, I've got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I was oh. hoping you'd be able to pull one out. You okay. could do like the communicator end sound <laughs> or the uh, holodeck doors uh, closing or turn the holodeck turning off the. All right, we'll see. Yeah. Sound effect ideas. <laughs> well, thank you all for tuning into our episode this week. And if you enjoyed it, please share it with your friends and subscribe to catch our future episodes. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. And you can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Kraken One Open. You can also shoot us an email if you've got questions or suggestions or whatnot. And that would be KrakenOneOpen at gmail.com. That's right. And if you're listening and you are a brewery, and you know you have something new coming out, please let us know. Let us know. Send us extra notes. We we would love to spend more time 
Yeah, we love breaking breaking, breaking it down, stuff and, down and, and giving interesting fun facts about the beer. So if you have something coming out soon, you're like, hey, guys, we got this or, you know, even if, if we featured you in the last episode and you have something coming out, we'll we'll do your stuff. Oh, yeah. Three like we're three not episodes picky. from now. Yeah, it's not like, <laughs> oh, we did Brooklyn. We can't do Brooklyn four episodes from now. Yeah. Whatever. As long as it's available for us and we can get it, we're in the Connecticut area. Mm-hmm. Let us know and give us some cool fun facts that maybe people don't know. About the science, about how it's made, about the tasty notes. Yeah. That's always Cause fun. Because we, we like learning about beer. You got anything you want to plug? Sure thing. So if you enjoy the sound of my voice, you can listen to me on other podcasts as well, including and mainly on Forgotten Cinema, a podcast that comes out every Wednesday about films that for whatever reason seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the movie simply didn't catch on in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always suggest you revisit it. Basically, we tell you what the movie was about, who's in it, fun facts about the fun facts and interesting lesser known facts about the production of the movie and we talk like i said why it was forgotten give you facts about its its release date and why audience tastes might have changed nowadays again that's every wednesday i do it with my buddy mike field a writer and director i if you don't know am an actor and writer <laughs> and i've also got two player bros a podcast by two p- brothers who play way too many video games right now that is a little on hold there are seven episodes out right now but it may take a little bit of a different form than it had before, including a new co-host. Uh, it will probably come back in early March, late February, as we tackle PAX East in Boston this year. Whoop, whoop, whoop. So keep an eye on that. That's Two Player Bros and Forgotten Cinema. You can find both of those podcasts wherever podcasts can be found. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com, TwoPlayerBros.com, and all over the social medias as well. Nice. And a special thanks for our theme, which was composed and performed by Joe Reichert. Till next time. Cheers.